0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: It's not just Gareth that suffered a humiliating crash this week. It really was nice of Liz to take some of the heat off him. But as the pound plummets and bills soar, you can always rely on football to really bring the drama. And this week, there are some scandals even Liz and Kwasi couldn't mastermind. Don't worry, listeners, the pork markets are fine. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory, and I'm joined by both of my very good friends this week. Adam and Andy. Here we go, boys. Here we are. I think this might be the first time we've done two shows
0: back-to-back, all of us, maybe yeah i think so i think so we're gonna start possibly. a trend soon no we're gonna start the trend we're yeah. gonna be more consistent right <laughs>
1: yeah. it
0: won't last long
1: the form, it won't was it, form is, form we, we, is we're temporary. getting it we're getting
0: into our mid-season form now
2: we just like, yeah, yeah. yeah a little so bit of us shake
1: off indeed <laughs> but as i say form is temporary class is permanent. So we might not be here so consistently
0: but we will always be great um adam how have you been this week how are you feeling Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Um, Busy week again. I was in London yesterday, so doing a lot more traveling, talking around with other people for once. But yeah, no, pretty decent week, as be said. What about yours? not
1: bad at all. Um apart from the rainy season has arrived in Milan. We yeah. it was literally we were thinking wow this is a long summer, it's a very long summer and then we had the day where it officially turns autumn <laughs> yeah. and it's not stopped raining since. As I am speaking there is lightning kicking off outside. So if my internet collapses blame Zeus or god or whoever you believe in is their fault. Um <laughs> Andy how is our available? Uh, yeah, all the gods are available. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,
2: yeah, I'm good. Uh, yeah, just been uh, cracking up with work and all that kind of stuff. And um,
1: just catch up with all the drama. Like, yeah. There's Very plenty, sort- plenty of it. But while we talk about work, there's three people this week who no longer have work. Look at that for a second, mate. <laughs> and we'll have time to keep, put their feet up a little bit. Three Premier League legends, all played in the same position, more or less, to varying mm. degrees, of success, and um, we're going to go by one by one. I'm going to go, Andy, who would you want to talk about first and say farewell to? Well, let's say farewell to Joloi B. Um, You know, he,
2: he made, a, obviously, he started off his career selling for two clubs at once, with basically United <laughs> yeah. and Chelsea. I think that resulted in Chelsea having to pay United like 12, 30 million quid or something like that. Um, yeah, and to be fair, he was a very, very serviceable squad member for a number mm. of years. With the Chelsea set up, I think he was one of those players that multiple managers relied on him because yeah. he was happy to be part of the squad. Didn't necessarily expect to start every week and you know, a bit like you know the John O'Shea's and all you know those kind of people. Uh so yeah he was he was important member there. I think for Nigeria uh, as well mm. he plays more of an attacking midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um he was very and generally speaking was quite good for he was well. very good. He uh, was very good. To fair, yeah, he always yeah. needs to, need to up his game when it came to playing for Nigeria, probably because he's playing maybe a bit further forward. So yeah, I think he's mm-hmm. had a very, you, know, you you have a career that
1: he probably be, needs to be happy with. I'd be pretty happy with the two Premier Leagues, Champions League, Europa League, African Cup of Nations, winning anything with your country is huge, right? <laughs> yeah, but I think it is weird, like you can't kind of touch upon it. I think his most defining moment is... Like not so good. They named him twice. So good. They signed him twice. Like it's so, <laughs> yeah. it's the defining moment of his career that he signed for two clubs at once. And I remember all the Ferrari about it, and like the absolute mm. like this guy's going to be the next world. Like two huge clubs fighting mm. over him. Like Adam, what do you remember of that? Pick? That's all I think of. When yeah, I, think of I remember
0: that vividly. He was a fifteen-year-old that was playing for lynn mm-hmm. in Nor- Norway, and there was so much hype around him because the fact was he was so young but had all of the ability. And I think mm-hmm. obviously we saw McAuley at Chelsea before that point. So they kind of saw him or earmarked him as the replacement. Mm-hmm. Right. But obviously Man United went in there early. Ferguson saw some talent in him, decided to sign him up and then uh, decided to cash in at the same time. So I don't know. You could argue that Fergie didn't do too badly out of it. Um I think it's
1: pretty clever, to be fair, buying a player and selling them for a profit before they even make an appearance. It's pretty, pretty Fergie, I think, quite wily. Um, But next, I don't know, I'm going to let let you pick the next of the three that we can talk about. Who are we going to
0: talk about? I think we've got to bring the banter guy himself, and that is Fabian Delph. Fabian Um, Delph. If there's anything that kind of summarises his career, is that moment where Kevin De Bruyne is doing the uh, kind of Video, I think it is for Snapchat at the time, and uh yeah, he's just looking at the screen placidly, and Kevin de Bruyne goes, are "You going to speak? Why are you going to speak? Yeah, like, yeah. like, it's just it's like, a video. That say sums something, up, doesn't yeah. it?" Yeah, he probably doesn't even know he's retired himself right now. He's probably still thinks he's a footballer, to be fair, but um, <laughs> he, he's done quite well considering he was uh, a young spark coming from the Leeds academy. Um, you know, managed to get some big moves along the way, and uh, as we talked offline, he managed to get two Premier League titles, so um, he hasn't done too badly, has he? Considering he was mainly played as a left back for that period as well, but yeah, phenomenal career for someone that probably maybe could have done more but yeah, yeah i feel like definitely just... more more like more was
1: expected of him i think when he first came through as you said yeah. i did see um one of my like tweets of the week was there's an Everton account i didn't know it existed which was days until fabian del's contract expired <laughs> and they posted <laughs> now i'm not into marvel films now the big purple guy can't remember his name in the marvel films but they showed right they had the video of him looking at the sun. Oh, Fados, yeah. Yeah, with the sun (laughs) coming over and him sitting down, like, finally resting. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. So some people are happier that he's retired than others, maybe. (laughs) Um, But the last one we're going to talk about is, arguably, the one who had the best career, maybe? I would say the one who was the best player of the three. I'm going to put my neck on the line, maybe. And we're going to talk about the Brazilian, Ramirez. And I think... Um, we were talking just before we hit record. It mm. was weird that he kind of headed to China in his peak yeah. years. And I think it kind of took away. People forgot how good he was and how like key he was to that Chelsea team in the Premier League. Um, of course, big part of the Champions League winning campaign with that beautiful goal against Barcelona, which he's now got tattooed on him. I think I saw that on his Instagram. Mm. Um, but he also won. God, he won everything. The Premier League, he won the FA Cup, Champions League, Europa League. Um, Copa Libertadores with Palmeiras won the Confederations Cup with Brazil he won loads of things what are your memories of Ramirez as a player I'm going to go for you Andy first I think it was that chip against
2: sort of, Barcelona mm. I think that was his defining mm. moment a very uh, exceptional goal Um, I think he was always very good sort of box-to-box midfielder yeah um, you know he always got up and down the pitch really well uh very tenacious presence which in that you know that was that second era of um where Jose come in and um the, the various interim managers he had in that sort of time it was, was a good mm. presence for them so mm. yeah um I think I think he certainly left Europe um probably a couple of years earlier than he probably needed to to be honest but I know at the time um the, the Chinese clubs backed by the government were throwing some absolutely ludicrous sums yes. of money at yeah. players. Cause it wasn't just him that went over, um, his yeah. teammate, um, Oscar yeah. went over for something like 400 grand a week or something, something like went that. Hulk as well
1: at that point, Hulk, think,
2: Hulk uh, quite a few, um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quite a few what other, a um, Quite a few other sort of Brazilian um, players,
1: Levazzi as well. Let's yeah. went, yeah, 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 he you did. You yeah, there. so well, that quite,
2: yeah, quite a lot of South American players in general sort mm. of went over there mm. to collect some big bucks, and there's still a couple of Brazilians <laughs> lurking around over there. Uh, so you know, uh, I remember Carlos Tevez went over there for yeah. a while and did approximately zero work. <laughs> yeah as standard, the standard uh, classic tevez. <laughs> yeah loves a pound took, note just tevez yeah took a few million pounds from china played a couple of the games and then went back to argentina a little bit larger than life <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and about adam yeah your thoughts of or your memories of ramirez as a player
0: well, I'm going to highlight Ramirez. He seemed to always have a good game against Man United. So that's the reason mm-hmm. I think Andy didn't want to mention it. But yeah, he always seemed to have a knack of pulling it against Man United. And I seem mm-hmm. to remember there was a really good volley he seemed to score at Stamford Bridge against them. I did just double check just to make sure I haven't made yeah. this up, but he definitely did. So um, I think yeah. it's in
1: the back of my mind somewhere I can remember. Yeah, somewhere it. yeah, itched yeah,
0: yeah. in there. But yeah, it definitely... I mean, there was what Andy said. That he was tenacious. He was up and down the pitch. Yeah. Just had stamina. That's what I remember. Mm-hmm. Like He just didn't seem to tire out very quickly, did he? He was like Can'te yeah, yeah, yeah. of young. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's weird saying that as well, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, no, Ramirez, hell of a player. Hell of a player. What about your memories? Um, yeah, I think just him being that kind of natural, kind of easy
1: to say, but a natural Makalele replacement that it felt like or the SEN maybe kind mm, of vibe, where yeah. Chelsea just constantly had that influence in their midfield. Like, oh, they've found another one. they found another player who does this incredibly well and who's just very proficient at everything. I just remember him being <laughs> an all-round very good player. And yeah, of course, that goal against Barcelona. But to all three, we wish them a very happy retirement. Um, I'm sure they won't be struggling too much and they'll have plenty of beach houses to pick from. So enjoy them, guys. <laughs> You've earned them. We on the other hand, are going to go and discuss lots of scandals in our blimp. <laughs> so if you're ready, listeners, we are ready to take off. My name is David Artel, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian pod. And here we are. Despite the fact that it seems like the news has only been one scandal and you are unable to escape the Liz Truss Kwamikaze scandals that are going around we are we have actually managed to find some more um so maybe take a bit we can take a bit of the heat off liz maybe um so let's start with one that we said we were going to discuss on last on monday we said we were going to discuss yeah, it monday. we wanted to do a bit more reading we wanted to make sure we got this right because this one is a little bit dark i think it's probably the right word but adam do you want to lead us into we are going to france i believe
0: yeah so it's been a bad time for france it has to be said um and yeah i don't know if this tops it but certainly um this scandal has ruffled a few feathers in france uh, in particular around the french president so Noel la grit he's called he's an 18 year 80 year old should I say he's got two years left on his contract um, but he has been accused by the um, magazine, and I have to just quote this, because they're the ones that are making this allegation, they've made this investigation into this, and they've basically uncovered ex-staff as well as current staff who have accused Le Grit of sexual harassment, essentially. So... Um, this is stemmed from a number of text messages as well as actions. Um, and it seems like the French Football Federation have covered it up over a number of years. So um, just to give context around the text messages, and this is in quotation marks. So the source is Le Monde to so protect us as well. Yep. More to the point, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I can't yeah. afford any lawyers. Or like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't think any of us can. But yeah, yeah. Um, these are some of the quotes that are supposedly sent by Legrette. So one says, come to my house for dinner tonight. I prefer blondes. So if you're interested, you're really good looking. I'd like you in my bed. Another oh my source God. summarized Legrette's behavior <laughs> with women. It's quite simply, he'd jump on anything that moves. Um, <laughs> so that kind of sums Christ. up a little bit about the extent Um It did cause the French sports minister to launch an investigation, and there was a personal conversation between the minister, Legrette, and the CEO of French Football Federation. Now, they've counteracted by accusing the magazine of making lies, as well as these ex-employees. As you can understand, um, it hasn't gone down too well in France, uh, especially with everything that's going on in the background. Mm -hmm. He is a Deschamps loyalist. And when Deschamps was asked about it, he said, yeah, there is a bit of a dark cloud, but I can't comment on the situation. So it does feel like at the moment, there's a lot going on, um, but he's refusing to leave his post. He's He says, I'm fit and well. I'm able to carry on in my duties. I'm not doing anything wrong. There was a sub story that seemed to suggest there's something else Um but it hasn't been reported in too much extent. So I don't want to speculate on that. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I spoke to you guys offline, it did seem quite deep, but whether those allegations will surface is another thing. So all I would say is I'm not going to comment on those because Mm -hmm. I don't want us to get in further shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But to cap it all off in France, um, I did highlight to you guys and we'll just share it with the listener. So, uh, france under 18s uh had a tournament um so i'll just get the name of this tournament because this tournament's been going on since 2007 and basically it's the top teams within sort of that kind of age bracket mm-hmm. so it's called co- called the uh, lafarge foot avenir and um this year it was played between france poland estonia and scotland um so basically, group stage competition; they play against each other. So it went down to the last game of the tournament, whereby France had to beat Poland. Um, got a bit feisty, it has to be said. So Poland had taken a lead; it made it two-one in the game itself. Um, so France lost their heads. Four players sent off in total, and by this, and this was all in a space of twenty minutes. So it has to be kind of right, put okay. that to right. pick um, but essentially uh, Bernard Diomedi who uh, some may remember he's the ex-Liverpool mm-hmm. winger and also a World Cup winner in 1998 he's the coach he couldn't calm down his players <laughs> and in the 77th minute the referee had to cancel and abandon the match so it made Poland win the match they were winning at this we, point yeah, three, yeah, two. there we go <laughs> so, <laughs> probably it's for Poland right um, but yeah <laughs> Yeah, the, French, oh. the red mist is there for France football. If it wasn't bad enough that the natural team isn't doing quite well, yeah, it seems the whole French federation is in turmoil at the moment. So, they just, they um, get your, get your thoughts? Just they, to add, they, to, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, just just to add to the French football federation. Obviously, they're also under a bit of heat from their senior um, teams players at the moment yes. over the image rights. As well, so um, that yeah. is a
1: busy legal department at the moment. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're putting in the
2: overtime at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised oh if I went on LinkedIn and fucking hiring. Um, <laughs> 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 you speak
1: French, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like yeah. Like, yeah.
2: Here's the book of law help. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Kylian Mbappe has apparently led the pro a long, is this is a long standing yes. issue that they've been yeah. unhappy um you know being sponsored by major brands so so okay. you know, for example with um a lot of the beef is against the fact that their their image is being used you know with partnerships mm-hmm. such as uh you know like kfc and you oh, know okay. some betting right, right, companies right. coca-cola and that kind of thing Brands, right, um, brand, right? So yeah you're now sponsored
0: by adidas they might yeah. have a different yeah. kind of brand. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. Exactly. Um, now, I can understand that because apparently with a lot of French players, you know, Mbappe included, a bit like in England as well, the money goes to charities and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, can, I, I would admire Mbappe Mbappe stance more if he wasn't so... If, if, <laughs> if he wasn't if he who wasn't, he was. <laughs> yeah, you know, if, well, it's just more of a club that he plays for what they stand yeah. for as an yeah, organisation. Yeah, 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 and yeah, let's yeah. be honest, the only reason why he's still in France and not playing for Real Madrid is because he, uh, he took, mo- he took mm-hmm. money above all else and that's what yeah, was important yeah. to him. Um, so I think, but I think, you know, that does lead to a wider conversation where I think footballers have much more of a voice or willing to use their voice more mm-hmm. um mm. you know, and there's a lot more I guess consciousness about who they're being partnered with mm-hmm. uh and things like that And I think
1: well that gang- can only be a good thing I think that can only be a good thing because especially if I go like very quickly because it's just like to America for example in college uh college football the the students there have finally got their got their the rights for their image rights right and it's like this huge thing in American sports culture now but these clubs were profiting billions and billions of dollars off the back of these people without their consent, and they got nothing, right? Now, obviously, in football, they get paid, but if you imagine a company making, or anybody making loads of money off your face with something you don't necessarily agree with, that's going to be like, Mm. that's that's just plain wrong, right? So it's good that the, the players are getting more of a voice. I feel like, Killing Mbappe maybe needs to quieten his voice sometimes, but (laughs) this is like maybe a a good thing that he's doing. But I think we need to talk about like the first scandal that that we kind of brought up with the the sexual harassment. I feel like football is going through a real moment at the moment. Like, even with if we go back to the Club I support crew or um, Mark Overmars getting sacked from Ajax, um, there's been quite a string of them for a while now. And I think it's good that these are coming to light it's kind of like the football's me too Mm -hmm. movement or me too moment kind of thing um but this could get this could involve like it wouldn't surprise me if every federation has these kind of problems right because we see that every business every industry has these problems um like, but I don't know where am I going with this. I suppose my question would be to, to either of you, and I don't expect a, a concrete answer. But do you expect the, the the federations to actually deal with this properly, or do you think it will just be swept under the rug as quickly as possible? Because I know what I think,
0: but what yeah. do you guys think? I think obviously Andy kind of summed it up nicely is that some federations still don't know the morality of Mm -hmm. what their actions are. And yeah, I think it's going to be very difficult and it feels like it needs people to actually push them into it. Much Mm. like the Mbappe case, for example, they had a year to act on what the request was and they still didn't do it. So, Mm. yeah, I feel like with this one, it's going to be interesting how much of that information turns out to be true and therefore Could there be more pressure on them? And I think it's down to the fact that also with this case, it seems to be going for a number of years. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, the indiscretions here by the French Football Federation here seems to sum up that there's some deeper, darker culture going on. And yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if this is embedded across different Mm -hmm. associations. They think it's acceptable and probably because it is a generation thing as well. I think yeah, they yeah. they are used to that so therefore like we had with the case with the spanish case that andy flags mm-hmm. on monday obviously yeah the culture is changing you can't do those kind of things or can't kind of say it right like, on the side and just yeah. expect it to be laughed off so mm-hmm. yeah i i wonder how deep it is but i'm hoping to god it's not as bad as fifa so let's let's <laughs> wait, and see. Let's wait yeah, and see yeah
1: i think I think maybe a positive is that with the rise of the women's game and with the rise of women's influence within the sport in general, Mm -hmm. that maybe they will be held to account a little bit more and there will be more voices. Like, I I don't know, in the UK, like whenever I put football coverage on in the house, the missus always blows her mind that there's women talking about football on the TV. (laughs) She's like, usually in Italy, it's just the attractive host and she doesn't say anything, right? Yeah. I think the fact that there's these voices on our screens more now, that they won't be afraid, they'll have even more impetus and won't be afraid to actually keep bringing these things up and won't let it be forgotten. Whereas some male pundits who we know may not be so willing to bring it up. So I think maybe they will be held to account. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I think um, think football, as you say, is going through a bit of a reckoning because obviously
2: you've had... Historical abuse cases into Chelsea recently, uh, over in uh, Celtic as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you know, certainly, if you go back to the French example, uh, their rugby chief uh, for their Mm -hmm. 2023 World Cup was also suspended over similar accusations as the French Football Federation Mm was going through. So it is clearly a culture that has, um, manifested itself over years and years and I yeah, think yeah. with the use with uh, the use of social media and I guess an increased awareness that you know if you want to include women and the wider society as a whole into the sport of football then you kind of have to adjust your standards and well mm-hmm. better your standards mm-hmm. I think it's the best better word for that one yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah I think naturally when it when you know when it comes to that side of things it's going to be people who adapt and there's going to be people you fall by the wayside um, yeah. i think that's what's gonna happen with french football you know people like that are gonna be chucked to the wayside at some point and make make place for somebody who's a bit more you know forward forward thinking and modern thinking just not
1: a mm. dick yeah. yeah 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 i think i'll say it. I have a catch it, on that's board.
2: it's not it's not hard is it it's just no. like you know just don't just don't be a dick don't be a don't be a sex pest and yeah. you're already gonna be doing better than quite a few people in football in the past so no exactly exactly
1: yeah. it is not difficult and as it, as people always say if you're a guy you've got to pick up other guys when you see them doing it if you know what yeah. I mean you've got to turn around mm-hmm. and be like man what are you doing you can't like you know what I mean you have to pick up yeah. guys when you see it happening as well but from people maybe not acting in the interests of women in football. We're going to go for people acting in the interests of women for football. And we're going to go to the Iranian national team. Now I'm not going to go into the situation in Iran because (laughs) we don't have time and I don't have the knowledge, but very basically, um, if you've if you live under a rock, um, Amini was unfortunately, um, well, incredibly sadly, um, it looks like killed by police for the crime of not covering her hair in the streets of Tehran. Ever since the country has been protests, uh, Iranian women cutting off their hair. It feels like a real kind of spring for Iran. And I think people forget that in the seventies and eighties, Iran was like a super liberal country. Like it had Mm. like the highest percentage of women educated, highest percentage of women going to university. It was this crazy liberal country and it's just gone completely the other way. But now there's these huge protests and the Iranian national team have kind of stepped up in the way that they could. Um, And in their final World Cup game, they were playing Senegal in a friendly. Um, All of the players covered the Iran badge on their shirt as they felt that they were not proud to represent the country and what they stood for. Um, And I feel like it was a real, it was a beautiful moment um, Mm. because I think everyone was looking to the Iranian national team with what was happening and with all the controversy that's going on around the Qatar World Cup in general, et cetera, I think everyone's going, right, are they going to do something? And I was just really happy that they did. I think it's a really powerful statement. And I think the government there, or whatever their form of government is, once they see that things like that, the wider world are not only more aware of it, but people within their country are willing to act on it. I think it was just a really big moment. Like, what did you guys think when you saw it? I, I love this story. Yeah, no, it's, it's
0: definitely beautiful. Movement, yeah. Mm, yeah, I was just gonna add there's a listener of ours called David Chams. He's based in America and he does share because he's partly Iranian, he shares mm-hmm. a few of the kind of stories that came out. And um, yeah, Iranian football is a bit of a political hotbed, it's one of those that's kind of used as the tool to mm-hmm allow i suppose to an extent these footballers and just generally the whole communities to get beyond and focus on something different for once uh but right now obviously yeah there's some dark times that are going through mm-hmm. right now and yeah it doesn't look too nice i don't want to talk too much about it because i don't yeah. feel like i'm educated as much on this subject but yeah certainly what you can see and in terms of the pictures they tell a thousand words don't they Mm -hmm. just the fact that you see that one face where they're shaving the hair off that kind of sums it up doesn't it
1: well this is it exactly i just think it was a really nice moment and football doing its bit it's a week where football is kind of trying to do its bit andy should we go to your is it a scandal your headline that we want to bring up (laughs) i I will call it a scandal well i think guitar have reacted to it like a scandal that's
2: very uh, true <laughs> so uh, and, you know they famously take criticism really really well uh and this is a classic case of guitar taking criticism in the way that you might expect <laughs> um so uh Denmark you know for the past sort of couple of years have Jamie speaking made the opposition known to the World Cup um I think we don't really need to go and uh, the circuits go over the circumstances of how Qatar was awarded the world cup we kind of all know about this by this mm-hmm. point so to get to the point uh denmark have released a new set of jerseys uh for the world cup in 2022 um hobble who's um the manufacturer of their kits released an instagram statement essentially saying that we wanted to send a dual message so this year will be the 30th anniversary of uh, their Euro mm. 1992 win, which uh, yeah. is one of the greatest moments, and it probably is the greatest moment yeah. in Denmark's footballing history. And they also wanted to make a point about Qatar and its human rights records, so what they've done. If you look at the kits, I mean, they look really, really fresh. I might buy it, but enough of the <laughs> uh, aesthetic side of things because that's not the point. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, they've toned down all the details, so like the logo and you know the Denmark logo and the humble. Logo is sort of barely visible, so certainly mm-hmm. when you're watching it on the telly, which a lot millions of millions of people are, you're not really going to see much of it, mm-hmm. uh, apart from like really, really up close. Um, so yeah, and it, you know, part of that is due to the fact that they don't wish to be visible during a tournament. That has cost thousands of people's their lives. That's the words coming from Hummel in their mm-hmm. Instagram statement. Uh, they believe that the sport should bring bring people together, and when it doesn't, we want to make a, a statement. So. Um, Qatar have reacted to this um, really, really well. Um, So they've said that since winning the right to host the FIFA World Cup, um, the sporting committee have worked diligently alongside the Qatari government to ensure the tournament delivers a long-lasting legacy and all sorts of PR bollocks. um, Through, you know, They've denied that thousands of lives have been lost it through a collaboration with UEFA, et cetera, et cetera. This resulted in a better understanding of the progress made, the challenges faced, and the legacy will be delivered beyond 2022. So it's just a lot of, like, corporate nonsense essentially um
1: for that i did like it was called the supreme committee it sounds like it sounds (laughs) like something from north korea you've been beckoned by the supreme committee oh god this is not gonna end well (laughs) yeah exactly you just need need that
2: star wars music uh (laughs) over the top um but yeah they the key part of the statement they've put out is that for that reason we dispute Hubble's claim that this tournament has cost thousands of people their lives. Furthermore, we wholeheartedly reject trivialising our genuine commitment to protect the health and safety of the 30,000 workers who built the FIFA World Cup, uh, whether that's 30,000 left Still standing, I don't know. Um, That same commitment now extends to 150,000 workers across various tournament services and 40,000 workers in the hospitality sector. So, to add to that, they've obviously Qatar is only a very, very small country, so they've had to import a lot of foreign neighbour. a lot of it from reasonably impoverished parts of um Nepal. They've had a huge mm. and India and yeah. uh, Nepal especially um, have been treated horrendously. I mean, the Guardian have done some brilliant exposes long before this World Cup has started yeah. over there, passports being stolen, yeah. uh, and things like that. Um, in the in the mission of this, FIFA have set up a um Know, like a reparation trying to set up a reparations committee, and even the Qatar, even the Qatari government are setting up their own reparations thing where they've not admitted they've done anything wrong, but it's one of those if you felt we've done something wrong, please make a claim here. You know, it like, (laughs) yeah, now
1: a figure, a figure that I saw, and obviously, I've been like a few journalists that I follow on Twitter have kind of been trying to put names to these Mm. numbers and trying to like obviously as you can imagine the information is impossible to find um but the figures for the reparations are i think the figure i saw was 1500 pounds um what like per person was, or what they was what out. a family was what a family was given in um because what they've done is they've admitted so they've said that three people have died in the up in the um in the in the process of building for this stages, shop, yeah. right but they're only counting the people who died on site, right? So on the building <laughs> site of the stadium. if it was moving things to and from the stadium, if it was within the accommodation, if it was blah 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 blah, they don't count it. Um one of these people interestingly, was an English guy um whose name escapes me now, which is really bad. Um, I will find his name. Um, he died because their health and safety equipment, he just fell off the side of the stadium, right? He counted, but, None of these other numbers they're taking they're taking um, responsibility for. But one of the families that they did, who was from Southeast Asia, I think they paid the family one thousand five hundred pounds as reparations of like our bad kind of thing so yeah even the committee oh, is so predictable the committee they're setting up is completely like everything fifa do like everything governments do it's just for appearances right like, yeah exactly
2: and um, uh, i think with obviously with going with, with the danish national team and their protest of manufacturer mm-hmm. i think um they've done it in a way because obviously fifa ban political statements have yeah. been made yeah. so they've done that whole design Change to still fit in with FIFA regulations. I think there is an argument to say that they've basically done what the, they've they've made actions which don't have consequences for themselves, mm-hmm. yeah, thus yeah. not being able to make more of a statement. I mean, I was I spoke to a girlfriend about this earlier. I said, "Well, ultimately, a big statement would be a country just not going, like yeah, just like yeah, literally just yeah. not getting on the plane, throwing the whole tournament into mm-hmm. disarray. Uh, yeah. That that would be, I think, the biggest statement you could make. To be mm-hmm. perfectly honest, but yeah, yeah. I think." That's not going to happen. No, and I think um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's
1: it's almost unreasonable to expect it as well because the players, it's not their fault. The World Cup is where it is. It's not their fault. What's happened's happened. If they like, they're gonna want to play the World Cup. It would be a beautiful thing to happen. I would love if the English team turned around and said, "You know what? We're not doing it." I would be so proud. But I, it's not going to happen, is it? It's not going to happen. No, but I think it's good that a country is making themselves
2: aware mm. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Eng- I think the English FA have talked about it, but not done
1: anything, which is mm. quite familiar. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they did do those really pointless captains' armbands with like the, the rainbow one set yeah, by Netherlands. In, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Just like yeah. cool. That'll make a difference. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think yeah.
2: in terms of what we've seen so far, I think the Danish stance, you know, is one that's it's certainly good, certainly in the right direction. Uh, and I think hopefully, what would be the biggest impact of this tournament is that we we have a more transparent process where the you know a World Cup being awarded to a country like Qatar on completely non-footballing reasons mm-hmm. doesn't happen again. And I think yeah. that's hopefully a realistic impact we can hope
1: for in the future. We can we can no. hope. That being said, Saudi Arabia are bidding for the one after America yeah. and Mexico and Canada. So we shall see. But maybe I I hope there is a difference, and I hope Hummel aren't the only kit manufacturer that do something. That I hope players speak out. I hope managers speak out. I hope something happens because, like. I don't know what you like for years. I've always thought in my head, I'm not going to watch this World Cup. I'm not going to watch this World Cup. Meanwhile, knowing that I was definitely going to watch the World Cup, right? And I'm going to feel guilty the entire time watching it. I feel like football does need to do something. Like with our World Cup podcast, we're trying to plan how we're going to do our little protest or how we're going to kind of voice our opinions. But I think everybody in football needs to try and do something just to at least make people as aware yeah i think i think
2: also by talking about it you could highlight what's going on Mm -hmm. over there and i think you know what one bit that does give me a bit of satisfaction already is knowing full well that number one is going to be quite a shit world cup compared to others because the world cup is about atmosphere now you know i don't i know you get some criticism saying oh people just want it in europe all the time but think about the brazil world cup back Mm. in um you know, 2014. you had the, the South World Africa,
1: World. Africa one was great. Yeah, even if you exactly. even if you don't
2: like Vivazela's,
1: the atmosphere was great. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, something. Yeah. About it.
2: Again, even with Japan and um, South Korea, Korea, yeah. Korea, South Korea, they had a, a unique vibe. Where if you look at you know the tournament itself is going to be devoid of atmosphere because it's mm. going to be so out of the way for everybody, yeah. so unaffordable and so yeah. empty in terms of atmosphere. Um yeah. You know, and also think about the impact of it afterwards because you hear after, when you have like. Olympic games and big sporting mm. events, you have a lot of like elephant stadiums, they call them. Yeah, 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 literally, yeah, yeah. everything that's been built in yeah. Qatar on huge expense at the expense of people's lives. Yeah. Um, it's good, you know, it's there's not going to be any yeah. use for it. Um, so there's no, like no, yeah, it's going to be yeah. no lasting yeah, yeah, yeah. legacy of that tournament mm. whatsoever. It's just going to be remembered you know 30, 40 years' time as a thing that happened, but I don't yeah. think it's going to go down as particularly memorable
1: um because mm. it feels more manufactured than anything else yeah really. i don't know what you think adam but i think it feels more just so manufactured the whole thing is going to feel like it's in a plastic container if you know what i mean
0: yeah I, I was gonna say to add to this kind of debate uh i think fifa tested the water with russia because russia mm-hmm. if you remember yeah, had true. just invaded ukraine or that yeah. donbass region so to speak mm-hmm. so by the fact that it's kind of swept under the carpet and it was accepted as a success. I feel yeah. like they felt like, right, we, we, we can make this work, so mm-hmm. to speak. And what I think disappoints me is when we've got the likes of David Beckham being there oh, kind of promoting me. this tournament. And obviously Gary Neville did a piece with him. And if you haven't got yourselves round to it, then Guardian Football mm-hmm. Weekly have done a special with Gary Neville where they asked him why he didn't ask the question about the political aspect of Qatar, but yeah. he said he felt like he would be a bit of a hypocrite because he goes to Qatar quite regularly mm. on a basis and he didn't feel it was appropriate to ask that question. Now you might say he's skimming around that question, a bit like Liz Truss does these days, but <laughs> yeah, it has to be said this tournament, I, I'm going to struggle to enjoy it. I think it mm. will only be the football that gets me through it rather than yeah, the yeah, political yeah. and the other elements, but yeah, I hope I it think, flops personally. I hope Yeah, it flops yeah, I hope it completely we, falls on it. We, it's we yeah, lose yeah. out on that. I, but, I think yeah. one
2: person who should be credited to speaking out for it, and you know, whereas obviously David Beckham, unfortunately, so much I love the bloke growing up as a kid, he's basically decided just to take the money yeah. without the yeah. balls. which I thought oh, it's a bit disappointing. But Eric Cantona. Um, yeah, what an interview yeah, yeah. by the way! In the athletic, yeah. what an interview! Oh yeah, the, inter- the, the athletic does a cracking interview oh. recently, to be yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, he's pretty, you know. You can always allow Derek Kanzler to say it how it is. Yeah, absolutely um, <laughs> love him. I love him. You know, I love him. I wish he played for Arsenal. Yeah, God. the fact yeah, he's yeah. called out, you know, his own former teammates mm. and gone, you know what, that's not a good idea. And he's played it in quite a polite way, to be fair to him. Yeah, yeah. But he's yeah, come yeah. out and said it. And he's, you know, he's been out against the uh, guitar movement for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I think there was some, some idiot on Twitter trying to, promotes a false equivalence by saying, Oh, but you uh, promote alcohol brands. I thought that's I thought people's lives and alcohol and a bottle of Heineken are not the same thing. Come on. Wow. Well, there was someone,
1: <laughs> there was someone on our Twitter, actually. I don't know if you saw the notifications come up, who was trying to defend the Qatari um, I have not regime that. thing. Was that, was
2: that under our Twitter?
1: It was on our Twitter and he was, he was masquerading as an Everton fan. So I'm going to say Everton fans. He probably wasn't an Everton fan. Um, <laughs> But he was, yeah. It was, it was a very, very strange conversation of like, oh, But if that happened, if that happened, if that happened, you know, they're actually improving workers' rights. All the kind of bullshit that Gary Neville said right. in the in the promo for Overlap, the documentary yeah. that he now has for Qatar World Cup, where he's trying to portray that he's taking them to task. But you're definitely not Gary. Like, if they, <laughs> it always reminds me of the Beckenbauer quote from years ago when the World Cup was first being built, first starting. Um, and he, someone asked him about slave labor in Qatar and he said, well, I've not seen any slaves. I was like, we <sighs> hey, like really friends. And I feel like with that, it's not that like brutal a quote, but I feel like Gary Neville being the like, well, you know, I've seen the working conditions improve. Well, yeah, they're going to show you the good side, mate. They're yeah, not going to exactly. take you to the crap accommodation. Like in that promo, he's got them like, oh, it's not bad in here. It's like, yeah, they're not going to show you the bloody like cupboard. They've gotten sleeping in it now. Like I think. I'm just really disappointed because I like Gary Neville mm. and I think it, politically I agree with him a lot it seems and I'm just really I, I expected better from him unfortunately I expected better from him but hopefully some people will speak out. Um I think it's a shame Norway didn't qualify because I think Norway were willing to do something. I yeah. think Haaland and a few of their players were willing to be like we will we will do something. And I think I think they were the first of... ones to wear the t-shirts and stuff as yeah. well. Yeah, and... they were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I
2: think I think it's good of um Scotland and Ireland to um boycott the World Cup <laughs> again. <laughs> tomorrow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: i don't know what their issue with brazil was but yeah yeah, this <laughs> <could> <laughs> yeah nice well we're gonna go to um one a bit closer to home and one that made me feel really really uncomfortable when i read the headline um and i don't know if i was surprised or not but this is the fact that it has been revealed that efl clubs have been profiting from losses that their fans have made on Skybet. now is before i go into detail on this very quickly in one word is anybody surprised nope no nope. No, no no me no. neither so it seems like these clubs had an affiliate deal now i don't know much about gambling i'm terrible at it but they had an affiliate deal which meant that when fans sign up to Skybet, they There's a box and you tick which team you support, right? It seems fairly innocuous. You just go, oh, yeah, it's a football thing. Of course they want to know. Well, then every time you lose, a part of your losses goes to your club. Now, for the League Two clubs, I think Accrington Stanley have been the one that's kind of been named so far. But every club has done this. Um, They made something like £5,000 from a year. Which, actually, Franklin Stanley for a League Two Club actually is probably a nice little boost, right? It pays for something for a year. Um, And I just find this story really, really, really horrible. It makes the whole thing of, like, you know, when the fun stops, stop, and all that shite completely. Like, the idea of addiction is that, you know... (laughs) You can't stop once it's not fun because you're addicted. That's the nature of, that's the nature mm. of addiction, right? Um, when I used to smoke, I never thought, "Oh, this is fun." If you know what I mean, <laughs> I just couldn't stop doing it. Like, so I feel like it, it just puts pay to all those like schemes and those like things yeah, they've yeah. tried to look like they're doing to reduce gambling in the, uh, or gambling addiction in the UK. They're now investigating whether Premier League clubs have the same deal. Spoiler alert, they definitely do. Like, I would be so surprised if Premier League clubs don't. Um, So far, Manchester United, Tottenham, Crystal Palace, and I think Everton have come out publicly and said they don't have these deals. The other 16 clubs in the Premier League have not issued a comment. So maybe they don't. Who knows? I would be very surprised if the Premier League club didn't have this deal, at least with one of their millions of gambling partners they have across the world. But... From this story, my question is, really, is it time for gambling companies to be treated like alcohol, like smoking? Is it time for them to just be removed from sports and removed from at least the advertising, removed from shirts, removed from um, the sponsorship completely? I'm going to start with you, Adam. How did this story make you feel, and what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a sickner, but it's no surprise. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was a report around how many clubs don't have a gambling or a betting company associated with them and i think if i remember rightly it wasn't many like mm-hmm. i'm I'm proud that wick and wonders is one of those that's never had a gambling company associated to it i'm Um, gonna say crew as well i don't think we have but we
1: don't have much to be proud of to be fair but But, i think that's one of them yeah exactly
0: (laughs) so when you look at even championship level there's a lot of clubs Mm. that are sponsored by one and i just want to highlight one example which is stoke city the Coates family obviously are run by 365 that's their company that's who sponsor the ground they sponsor the team and Yeah, they they know about gambling. They know about the depths of how they get people into it, how they suck them into it. It's been well documented. Um, I've been fortunate to know a footballer by the name of Scott Davies who talks about his experience with gambling when he was young. He was just an academy youth player at Reading and he gambled all of his earnings um, to the point that he'd spent all of his month's earnings in one hit and then had to get his parents to help him out through the month because He couldn't afford to get to the ground, for example, just basic stuff like getting petrol in the car because he'd spent it in one go. And you only have to look at the story of like Paul Merson to see Mm -hmm. how addiction really does take over your life. Mm -hmm. Even though we thought he was over it, it came to like a few weeks ago that he'd been gambling during lockdown on, what was it, something really stupid. I think it was like badminton matches or something like that, like where he had no knowledge of the sport. And he's yeah. like, I think it was the whole earnings the house or his family had were spent during lockdown. And it's just, yeah, I, I do feel like we have to like put it to a side now and like actually have a like a blanket ban on it just mm. in the sport and outside of it as well. So we're talking about outside the grounds as well, because I think. Yeah. There is a rule now, luckily, that you can't have betting outlets within the grounds themselves. So that's at least a promising start. But the problem is like you've kind of associated, like you've got Sky that kind of make it normalised. They feel like it's a thrill for players and people. Um, And the fact is you're getting younger generations now betting. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the extent of the bets are like scary because we've heard yeah. of Matt Letizia even being involved in these scandals where he won some money by making sure that the opposition team got a throw in. Like Burks. yes, yeah, he talks yeah, about yeah. this story, how he got involved and, you know, I think we we've just got to make sure it's not involved anymore. It's just mm. when you hear the stories of those that suffer and how badly they suffer. And it's like anything, if you're addicted to it, you'll crave it you just want to go and do it again and again no matter what so yeah get out of football for the better of our fans people just to make sure their health is there i I think when you hear these horror stories and what they've gone through what the families have gone through it really isn't worth it it really isn't worth it so yeah it's horrible ending to this kind of section but yeah it's one that has to be discussed i'm afraid
1: yeah, and I think if the with the lower league clubs, the figures like it doesn't matter, the figure doesn't matter, it's the principle, right? But I yeah. feel like it's really going to get disgusting when when it's revealed that Premier League clubs have it, because that's when the amount of money that they could, if they have these deals, could be making from the amount of worldwide bets that mm. happen on the Premier League, like it is an insane amount of money. But Andy, do you you expect Rick Parry to actually do something? Do you expect this to go anywhere? Because I think this story is going to blow up. Well,
2: I remember looking at it and apparently these deals sort of stopped sort of um, centrally back Mm -hmm. in like 2020. Uh, But I think it's come about because certain clubs like Accurton have had like what they call legacy deals, which which are continuing up into about 2023, 2024. Um, And I think, so I think, indirectly there has been something we've done about it there. But yeah, I think there's a lot, lot more that could be done. I think there's a lot of clubs that are re- you know reliant on um gambling sponsors um at the moment. And I've always found it odd that Sky have such a foothold in football that they could be they could sponsor the league, but you could also better that league than yeah. the main broadcaster mm. of that league. Unlike, yeah, it feels mm, weird. Yeah, yeah it yeah. feels weird and it feels like one organisation has too much of an influence mm-hmm. on, yeah, on yeah. what goes on. Um, and I think, you know, gambling as a whole it's, um, you know, th- through years and years of advertising, because, you know, even, even now, like every time you watch, uh, you see like a Ladbrokes ad or a Paddy Parrot ad, it's all about uh, the thrill of gambling. And it's something Mm. you do just when you're out with the lads and kind of thing, you know, you go out to the pub, do a line of coke and bet bet some money, they make things like, you know, make things what is essentially abuses, um, things you can be addicted to very, very normalized. and it's you know especially if on the online gambling because when we were what 18 I, th- I don't think online gambling was as big of a no. thing
1: as it was now you'd have to go uh, onto your computer it wasn't in your pocket. yeah it was it wasn't like it wasn't yeah. like, it yeah. Wasn't
2: like um, yeah it wasn't you know when i was like 18 it wasn't like a flick of an app where you could just yeah. go into no. it and stuff like that and you know back then you can i know you people used to be able to put credit cards on there so you're spending money on you don't you're spending money that you don't have on a game where you can lose even more money so Mm -hmm. you've almost a double loss um and it's just yeah yeah. gambling is gambling is just obviously it's not it needs to be cut out of sport there's always going to be gambling there's always going to be uh, there's nothing wrong with putting a bet on sport, and uh, there's nothing wrong with betting on sport in general, but when it's shoved in your faces left, right, Mm. and centre, and let's bear in mind that it's a family game, ultimately. Mm. People take their kids' to yeah. games people you know people's kids you've got nine ten teenagers yeah. who are impressionable watching these adverts and they just see it as just
1: being you know part modernized. of the game it's part yeah. of the game yeah. it's, it's part, part of it's what you do when you go like on a saturday you put an accum- accumulator on and i'm bad for the i'll put an accumulator on every week if yeah you know what i mean and like but it is you're right it's shown as if you're into football, you do this. Like, yeah. it's part of being into football. So I think, yeah, it needs to be treated the same way as the smoking was in the F1. I remember that in the 90s, right? Yeah. It was that banned? I remember that being a big yeah. thing. Yeah. No more smoking adverts on TV. It was overnight, right? Yeah. Alcohol, it was, you can't have alcohol on your shirts anymore, right? I think that's the...
0: Mm,
1: that's or is that slow, just in Europe? It? I can't remember. Maybe I was just in Europe. But there needs to be something similar um, with gambling. And I think the best thing to do or the good thing to do would be for the clubs that have taken, when it's revealed how much money they've taken, they donate that money to a gambling charity or a charity that helps yeah. people get over gambling addiction, because it's what it's the least you can do at this point is give back the money you've taken from it. Cause it is just, it makes me feel really, really ill. It's just a horrible, yeah. horrible story, but we're now actually going to talk about literal football. Uh, we're going to talk about the game that we love, <laughs> but first, we're going to take a quick break we will see you after this and here we are it's time for league football is back the nations league's done and we have got a mental month of october coming up i think arsenal have about 52 games in 43 days i think they're going to be <laughs> waiting they're going to be waiting on the side of the pitch and getting changed for the next game i think it is going to be Hectic. I have just seen today Antonio Conte complaining about fixture congestion. You've definitely changed your tune from last season, mate. I really <laughs> wish he'd shut his mouth sometimes. But we're going to start with Antonio Conte's home country. I'm going to start with Serie A. This weekend, there's only one game that we can really, really start talking about. It's definitely the best game of the weekend. And it is inter-hosting Roma, Mourinho returning to San Siro is always a beautiful thing to see. He is always welcomed with open arms by the Inter uh, the Inter Cordova when he walks in. I think his record there hasn't been too great, so that definitely makes his welcome a little bit <laughs> warmer. Was, yeah. <laughs> but what do we think for this game? Inter look in crisis. They do not look inspiring at all. Roma, maybe in the same boat, maybe looking a little bit better. I think this could be a... It Both managers
0: tight. really need a win. Both managers yes. really need a win, right? Yeah, definitely. And it probably doesn't help Inter's cause when Brozovic went off injured. Um, Lukaku's not going to be able to return for this match, so it seems like he's got a full month now without playing any football since he got his injury a few weeks back. Um, he's too busy of- shooting cringy adverts for Calvin Klein. Have you seen <laughs> that? Adver? Oh my god! No, it's <laughs> one of the That's worst not- things I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> it's so bad. It but so it bad. is
0: it is terrible for Inter. Inter are craving for that one win. I, I I do fear for Inzaghi. I feel if he doesn't get a result soon, the pressure will be on him right now. Uh, Roma on the flip side, I expect Zaniolo, who's just come back into uh, the team, may cause some trouble here, coming back to a previous stomping ground, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I feel like Roma have more potential this time compared to last season. But mm-hmm. um, it wouldn't surprise me if somehow this ends up as a draw. Um, I think the thing that Inter fans are craving here, Rory, is Aslani. Aslani is earmarked as the replacement for Brozovic, or at least stepping in when Brozovic has an injury. Let's see if Inzagi is bold enough to actually play him, because I think that is going to be the catalyst of potentially where this squad goes this season. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts?
1: yeah I think look we've all been waiting to see him we know that he was a really exciting player for Empoli he was someone that at the beginning of the season we were like this guy is going to be the cover for Brozovic he's going to give them options Brozovic can yeah. actually take a rest and we've seen nothing from him so I think depending on how this performance goes it will show Rome it will show Inter fans whether they do have another option whether this is a viable thing it might just give them hope I think I'm excited to see him play. I'm definitely excited to see him play. As I said, at Empley, he was very, very exciting. Empley yeah. always create great players. If you look at the players that have come through that club, it is insanity. But the the real sign of hope for Inter will be that Roma haven't beaten them since February 2017. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's home or away. Um, Nainggolan got two, and Perotti, um, Icardi scored for Inter. So it was a very, oh, wow. very long time, long time okay. since Roma have beaten inter that will give them hope last year in a one three one and two nil but as you said neither team really in great form it will be a good game i think it will be a good game as i said both teams desperate for a win and inzaghi there's a there's a there's a inter legend hanging in the background and the inter fans are just waiting for him to get the job he just left his hometown club stankovic is waiting in the wings and the inter fans kind of want him and i think Mm. inzaghi if he doesn't fix up, he could be gone pretty soon. So a huge, huge game at the San Siro this weekend. There was one of the, there was one game you wanted to highlight for us, Adam, which yeah. we're taking us to.
0: So I'm going to take you to Sunday's match, and that is the Swallow versus Salinatana. now. For everyone, they'll think, what the hell and why am I bringing you to this match? Um, this is quite monumental for Serie A more so because there's going to be the first time that a female is officiating this match. So Maria Sole Ferreira Capra- Caputi, I think is yeah, how you pronounce good. it. So, yeah, it may have butchered that. But, sh- yeah, she has uh, refereed at Serie B as well as Serie C. So potential there. Um, so she's worked herself through the ranks since 2015, it says here, according to her background. So yeah, obviously following the trend that we've seen in Europe, especially in the UK as well, where we saw Sean Macy as well mm-hmm. take up a position as a referee for a match. Let's see if this continues. Certainly in Italy, I'm sure referees. In Italy are scrutinised enough um, but if she turns out to be really good I'm sure um, supporters will endorse more female referees but we'll have to wait and see. Obviously uh, it's a quite a low-key match it has to be said mm-hmm. Sassuolo and Salernitana are probably not going to uh, cause too much issues um, but yeah that, that was the main one that I wanted to really highlight that's a key monumental moment for Serie A definitely this weekend. Yeah, amazing. Um, just quick one as well. I just want to call out Napoli versus Torino on oh, Saturday as well. Raspadori on form. Yeah. Obviously, can they continue that? And obviously, the only other one that I want to highlight because of how poor they've been, Juventus. Allegri's been off the press because of Liz Truss and Co. Um, but they <laughs> take on Bologna on Sunday night, 7:45. Let's see if Skorupski can keep a clean sheet against this uh terrible Juventus size. Um, what's your thoughts? And Rory
1: Arnoutovic is definitely gonna score. I need <laughs> to see the shit shithousery at the Allianz as he's giving it with his ears to yeah, the half empty stadium. I need to see it. Um, elsewhere, um, we do have Atalanta taking on Fiorentina. Yes. Fiorentina really not had a great start to the season but they did win their last game so maybe things are turning around for vincenzo italiano atalanta of course sharing the top spot with napoli on 17 points winning four of their last five i think we're getting atalanta back i think we're seeing atalanta back. it's beautiful to see um milan will be going away to empoli we have lazio taking on spezia lecce versus Cremonese in a huge game at the bottom on sunday that is going to be massive. Um, Lecce currently on, um, where are they? Oh, the 15th with six points. They got mm. their first win of the season, of course, before Cremonese, yep. Cremonese 19th with two points. Still looking for their first win. That is going to be a huge game. And the only other game I'm going to bring up is the surprise package of the season so far, Udinese, who I'm going to remind you, listeners, they are currently third on 16 points, having mm. won all of their last five games. <laughs> They are going to be away to Verona, our favorite, one of our favourite teams from last season, but who are not doing that well this season. I would expect Udinese to continue their incredible run and get yeah. three points in Verona. A kind of northeast derby there as well, I think. They're both very, yeah. very close. Yeah. I feel like they're two teams that don't like each other. That's in the back of my head somewhere. I feel like that could be a thing. It yeah. could be a thing. You think, it could yeah. be a thing, there you go, listeners. It could <laughs> be a thing that's as certain as we're getting, but that's the setting yeah for this weekend because we have to talk Premier League. And there's a reason why I've got Arsenal shirt behind me, retro Arsenal shirt on from when we used to batter Tottenham a lot. It's the North <laughs> London Derby this weekend. The weekend all kicks off with it at half past 12 UK time, so there's mm-hmm. not much drinking time, guys. Not much time to drink. You'll have to start drinking at nine o'clock, I think. But I am absolutely crapping myself. Um, Despite the fact that we are, and I'm going to say it because it might not be true as of after this weekend, we are top of the league. I need to double-check that. We are top of the league. Just love to look (laughs) at it. Um, Despite the fact that we're top of the league, I still don't feel confident. But there is good news for Arsenal fans, bad news for Tottenham fans. Kulusevski is doubtful, as is Hugo Lloris. This is huge. We've said, I've said for a while that Hugo Lloris might need to be replaced, but I'd be pretty happy if he wasn't in the team as well. Kulusevski, I'm delighted about. For Arsenal, it looks like Smith Rowe is out until next year. He's had to have surgery on his groin. He's only played 47 minutes this season. I miss Smith Rowe, him and Saka together. We need the song belting out around the Emirates again, but we're going to have to wait until after December. I know how I'm feeling about it. I'm going to give my opinion soon. Andy, I'm going to go to you first. North London derby, best derby in the country, right? Easily. No, <laughs> absolutely not. No, I think uh
2: Liverpool United tops that one. But no, to be <laughs> fair, like Arsenal uh I suppose always be always very entertaining game. There's always lots of controversy and drama and just mm. pure Barclays. <laughs> so, yeah. And have, yeah, yeah, and yeah, which you'll absolutely love to see. So yeah, I think it's gonna be a good game for either way. Um I'm tr- interested to see Arsenal's reaction to it because again I've always been of the assertion, of we spoke about it before, mm-hmm. that Arsenal basically beaten teams that are supposed to be beaten. Yeah. Um, and then the moment they came up against you know a rival, uh, they lost. Yeah. Um, and I think it's this is an important game for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I think if they come out at the end of this weekend having beaten Spurs convincingly, that really puts some respectability over a potential, yeah, yeah. you know, what would be most certainly a top four challenge, but maybe aspire to something more. Yeah. Um, and I think. That's the, this is the kind of game that Arsenal need to win to show that they really are a substantial mm-hmm. force this season. But I think, on the other hand, Spurs are more than capable of oh God, uh, yeah. beating them, um, especially yeah. on the counter-attack, because they were vulnerable against Manchester United for that yeah. one. Obviously, some, I think, bad timing for an Arsenal fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, brutal yeah. timing, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. that, hat, I mean, that hat, the hat-trick <laughs> he scored against Leicester, like... They were exceptional finishes yeah, as well. Yeah. For somebody not scored, mm. i like, been dropped to the bench because mm. of his, uh, you know, uh, indifferent starts of the season. Um, you know, again, Kane, um, even yeah. by his standards, has actually quite a good start to the season because mm. he doesn't really get going to, like, November normally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it'll be... Um, the game's going to be probably run a lot in terms of, like, transitions and mm-hmm. how... How both Arsenal and Tottenham make use out of the rare moments of space that they'll get, because I think it will be quite tight in midfield. So Mm -hmm. it'll be, I think tactically, it will be a very um, interesting game to watch, certainly from a relatively neutral point of view.
1: Yeah, no, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Adam? I think Thomas Party's fit, which is going to be huge. But what do you think about this game? You could, yeah, how do you see it going?
0: I think it'll be dependent on who gets the best start to the game. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, who's going to be the most positive in terms of attacking. What we have to say about Spurs is they haven't necessarily got into games really well. So if we just allude everyone back to the Chelsea match, they were on good form for that match going into it. But they had a terrible start, but they pulled themselves back into it. A certain Richarlison Literally will balled. be fired up yeah. as well <laughs> after a certain event that happened during the week. Um, I think he'll be a key player. That said, he doesn't always have a great game against Arsenal. I think, Mm -hmm. and I'm just speculating here, I think based on the form, Arsenal should win this a bit similar to last year. Um, But that said, obviously, yeah, Spurs, you can never know what Conte is going to think up of. And I think he's going to play very defensively and Mm -hmm. go on the counter. It'll be just a case of will the defenders and we're talking about Gabriel potentially and whoever he's next to, can they handle the likes of Son, Kane, yeah. as well as Richarlison? I think that's going to be key. I think the fact that Kulosevsky isn't in the squad potentially for Saturday, they've still got quality. I mean, yeah. if you think oh, about yeah. Lucas Mora as well. He's a player that likes to turn up for the London derbies as well. So, yeah, I, I would I'm say terrified it's like I do- a foregone I'm- conclusion.
1: I'm terrified of Richarlison. I know he's going to turn up in a Derby. He's the type of person that's not only going to be an absolute wanker the entire 90 minutes, but he's definitely going to turn up in a Derby. So I'm absolutely petrified of him. But like you said, we did him at home last time. We're in good form. We shall see how it goes. God, I'm so glad I can get it out of the way. First game on a Saturday. (laughs) It can either ruin my weekend or make my weekend, and it's just done, right? Um God, I hate it. I hate it. I'm already feeling nervous. (laughs) But we've got one more derby this weekend on Super Sunday. It's all kicking off a bit further north as we have the Manchester derby. I'm going to throw to you, Andy. Uh, How do you feel ahead of this one?
2: I actually think think we've got a good chance of um, of certainly getting a result. Um, I think... Certainly last season, I think the derby performances against Manchester City were some of the worst that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um certainly in my lifetime. Um I think even if we haven't necessarily got the same quality from back to front that Manchester City do, I think we've at least got, got a bit of bite back. Um yeah. you know, certainly in terms of like obviously the midfield, there's a bit more, a uh, bit more craft in there. There's a bit more energy, which I think was lacking certainly in the last year or so. And I think even when, even the past few years where we've been absolutely shite, uh, we've still been often been able to get good results against Manchester City. Um, and I think. So yeah, and I think the key the key battle is essentially going to be between Haaland and Martinez. Uh, that's going to be the main key. Um, I think obviously Dortmund um, played Ajax last year, and Martinez dealt with that situation really, really well. Um, and I think you know there's obviously that whole discussion over his height, which I just Martinez's height, which I just find tiresome. Uh, but to be fair, Haaland, I think he'll be the difference maker because. You know, that's what he key. is. He's a difference he, maker. Yeah. You know, he's he's not gonna you know, again, I'm not going to get into this whole how many times he touch, touches the ball because we've long established it doesn't matter. Mm, uh, yeah. You know, If he gets a yard of space, you could pretty much guarantee that he's going to put it in the net. Uh, and I do worry as well because David De Gea is very rigid, sticks on his line a lot. Um, so I think Varane and Martins are going to have to work together as a partnership. Um, I think without wanted to jump on the whole... Bandwagon, I think, with Harry Maguire looking like he'll miss the game. Uh, and I think perhaps given the form that he's in at the moment, is probably a lot of the bad last thing. thing
1: he needs. The last thing he needs is to go up against Erling Haaland, at yeah. The minute. That's mm-hmm. the last, I think, the last, I think last that's thing, the last thing I, I mean, Either yeah. way,
2: I think he's been dropped anyway. So, I think mm-hmm. even if he had a bit fit, he wouldn't have been yeah. playing. But I think United have got finally what seems to be a settled defensive partnership Uh which works well together and that's something we've lacked for ages Mm -hmm. but it will be an incredible task because you know De De Bruyne in centre midfield is going to be much much better than anything that they faced Um, and I think up front obviously with Rashford's uh, potentially not being fit enough, certainly not to start. Um, yeah, yeah. Martial, um, he had a good preseason, but he got injured very, very early. <laughs> I on. he was still there, yeah. yeah, yeah. He had a good preseason to be fair, there was a lot of hope. And then after the first game, he's got injured and he's yeah. not been seen since. Seems so to be one yeah. of those injuries where it was initially two or three weeks he was out and it's kind of dragged on. Quite to what is essentially a couple of months at this point, so um,
1: we well, what would uh, what what would scare me, Andy, is the fact that this is the the game that Harland has openly said this is the game I'm looking forward to playing the most. Mm. That would that would scare me, but I'm gonna say there is. There is, that hist- there is that history. There is that history there of his dad, isn't there? Um, I think we yeah. could see we could see a pretty huge celebration. I'm going to say when he scores. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say when. he <laughs> scores. Um, Adam, we do need to talk about City as well. What do you, what are you making of City heading into this game? Um, can United stop them?
0: Uh, I I think it's going to be a struggle Um, that Mm -hmm. said Man United do like to pull it on for these kind of games so I'm not going to completely dismiss Man United and um, yeah I just think maybe the break has done Man City some good as well to be fair because I appreciate they probably wanted to keep that momentum going with game to game, but sometimes you also need that little bit of a break. So I feel like this is a nice little refresh for both sides in fairness. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's going to be, if they, they play like we know they can play, it could be curtains for United, because like Andy says, you just give them a bit of space, and that could be the decisive moment Mm -hmm. that turns this match. Bernardo Silva, has to be said, has been in superb form, but also Gundogan, who played against England, he looks really good. Again, um, I could Gundogan. So, I think between them, they've got some quality players, and it's scary to think they've still got Depth on the bench as well. So the fact that they can bring on De Bruyne off the bench to like almost give you another half an hour's performance is just scary, isn't it? Really? So yeah, I, I don't think there's many injury like worries for City going into this weekend. So um there's only yeah. John Stones. John Stones is the only player who's gonna miss out.
1: But Nathan Ake has now played two full games for Holland and seems pretty That's much fit. So yeah. I think he's ready to just walk in and do what he does. But elsewhere in the premier league we do have i'm going to mention kind of two more games um Deserby's first game in the premier league woo and it couldn't be much harder he has liverpool at anfield this is gonna be a bit of a baptism of fire for poor roberto but we've seen brighton get a three-all draw there last year i think did they get a draw in the end i feel like we've seen some big performances from brighton at anfield in the past Maybe this could be another one. Pretty excited for that one. And on Monday, we have... Now, this is a proper spicy game. It's good to see it back in the Premier League. The Midlands midlands derby yeah east midlands east Derby, midlands, right? yeah leicester will host nottingham forest leicester in all sorts of shit nottingham forest looking all right last year these two teams played each other in the fa cup and that muppet was banned for trying to punch a player on the pitch right yeah um these are two teams that do not like each other what do we expect from leicester forest i'm
0: excited I'm excited because I think there'll be lots of goals. I don't mm, think yeah. there's going to be any like kind of side <laughs> is going to win this necessarily. I think there'll be plenty of goals, plenty of action, I think it's fair to say. Um, but yeah, it could go either way, to be fair. I mean, Steve Cooper needs the win, as does Brendan Rodgers. I'd say on the balance of it, maybe Leicester is slightly worse mm-hmm. in terms of form. But that said, Madison he can turn it on. So potentially, you know, you just need those moments of brilliance from him to maybe help them get a win, but it'll only prolong what potentially is the inevitable for Brendan Rodgers, to be fair, down the line. So, um, yeah, I'll get Andy's thoughts as well.
2: I think, is it too early to call it Adele Sacchio?
0: (laughs) It's just true. It's very true.
2: It's you know, obviously, with not a good forest, I felt I feel like a lot of their problems are self inflicted. They've done what I do football manager is <laughs> basically sign about 20 odd players and expect it to work. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. maybe a football manager even that takes a little bit of time to do, but to yeah. do that at Premier League level is risky at best. Uh, and I think Steve Cooper, you know, he, I think he is a good manager, but I feel like he's been hamstrung a little bit by having to yeah. incorporate virtually a whole new squad of players. Um, And I think what's been really worrying for Nottingham Forest is that they've they've had a couple of games recently where they've taken the lead uh, you know against like Fulham and Bournemouth as notable examples teams mm. that are going to be in and around them in the table nonetheless yeah. and they've really you know fucked it for the technical term yeah over uh, the last like 20 minutes of games um and I think with Leicester as well I think they're in a lot of trouble um mm. you know there's a lot of obviously there seems to be a lot of discontent you know off the pitch as well uh which more often than not manifest itself to what happens on the pitch. And I think um, with Leicester, I think apparently you know, it's going to cost them a lot of money to um, pay off Brendan Rodgers. So it might be a marriage of convenience, but th- I think they will get to a point where the cost of sacking Brendan Rodgers will be a lot, lot less than the cost of not being in the Premier League if it gets to that yeah. level. Uh, so, yeah, I think but. In any game where both
1: teams need a win, it's going to be a draw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're probably probably right. These are, as we kind of alluded to, the two teams at the bottom. Nottingham Forest on, in 19th on four points. Leicester in 20th on one point. Jesus Christ, they have conceded 22 goals in seven games. It is just <laughs> ugly, ugly reading for the Foxes. Sorry, guys. So, as I said, Liverpool take on Brighton on Saturday. We have Fulham taking on Newcastle. Southampton against Everton Palace taking on Chelsea at Selhurst Park. That'll be a really, really interesting game, I think. Bournemouth taking on Brentford. West Ham versus Wolves got West Ham need a win as well. Those are two teams that need a win. And we have Leeds taking on Aston Villa. That is the Premier League weekend. It's so good that it's back. I think I read a stat. I think this counts as a stat that there are only five days in October where there is not a Premier League game on. So, guys, this is... We are heading into a busy, bloody month. And all you have to think is that by the end of this month, we are going to know a lot about teams. We are going to know who are the contenders, who is really in trouble. This month is going to make or break so many teams. And I'm expecting Arsenal to massively be one of them. I'm not going to say which way, but we're going to be (laughs) one of them. Um, So... Guys, I think we're finished for today. That is the show. Um, as always, please follow us on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod, on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, Match with us on LinkedIn. Match with us definitely isn't the right word. I have it in Italian. Coll- <laughs> Collegare with us on Connect, Connect with us on LinkedIn. That's, so Connect, that's the word. Connect with us on LinkedIn and everything else. Follow us on um, TikTok as well. Um, that's Andy's domain. Follow us on TikTok. Do it. But for now, guys, anything to say before I send us off with our quote of the week?
0: No, but just to say I cannot wait for Monday night's review when we'll be talking about all of these games as well, in depth probably. So yeah, I cannot, cannot wait. I cannot wait.
1: Hopefully, me with a big old smile on my face. Fingers crossed. <laughs> 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 fingers crossed. So guys, I'm going to say farewell. And this week's quote comes from Iranian international Sardar Moon. On his Instagram this week, he posted, The ultimate punishment is to be kicked out of the national team, which is a small price to pay for even a single strand of Iranian women's hair. Shame on you for easily killing the people and viva women of Iran. See you next week, guys. Thank you very much. Take care. Podcast Network.